Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. They say that people are either running towards pleasure or running away from pain. And in real estate, we're doing both constantly. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed, and today I'm joined by Josh Meyer. Josh is joining us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's a full-time real estate investor with a 36-unit buy-and-hold multifamily portfolio based in both Milwaukee and Dayton, Ohio, where he's from. He also flips or wholesales about three to five properties a month in the Milwaukee area. Josh, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is a little bit personal, but what makes me a little bit more unique is that I actually grew up really poor. I come from a single parent household. My father is involved in my life, but on average, I was lucky to see him three months out of the year if you added all the collective time up. And my mom, she struggled with addiction my whole life. And really, I grew up in a pretty nice area, but we were living off of $400 a week, basically subsidized income. And we were living in a duplex practically my whole life. We lived in multiple properties, but for the last 10 years of my childhood, we were in one duplex and I shouldn't have made it. I joined the military because I couldn't afford to go to college like my buddies. And that was the best decision I ever made because I got to use my VA home loan. I got out of the military, bought a house at 21 years old and thought that was it forever moved in with a buddy of mine and he didn't pay his share of rent the first month. And he kind of forced my hand after a couple months to find some replacements for him. And I was renting each bedroom individually at $500 a month. So I was making $1,000 a month on these two bedrooms when the mortgage was only $460 a month. And I was introduced to what's called cash flow. And I couldn't believe it. I was 21 years old and I was previously living in Chicago when I was in the Navy and I decided, you know what, maybe Dayton, Ohio isn't for me. I rented the full basement where I was living for $600. i am now making $1,100 a month in cash flow on this single family home unexpectedly within six months and moved up to Milwaukee and I've been 
pretty much buying at that point in time, I was buying three and four plexes and then slowly worked my way into some commercial real estate. You move to Milwaukee, you start your buy and hold portfolio with three and four families, and then move into larger commercial multifamily properties to come to your current portfolio size. Fresh out of the military, building your rental portfolio, what were you doing for income at the time? Was it always the wholesaling and flipping? No, I actually got into wholesaling about two years ago. So essentially at that point in time, I was working at Domino's. So I was making $17,000 a year when I bought my first house and I had $500 in my bank account, but that's where the VA home loan is so powerful. So I moved to Milwaukee and we buy a couple three and four plexes. And I also was helped because my girlfriend, now wife at the time was sold on the idea. And so she used an FHA and bought a fourplex as well. And then how I got into commercial real estate, this was about 2018, 2017 timeframe. I was kind of tapped on low down payment mortgages. And so was my girlfriend. So we started finding ulterior motives to get into real estate. For example, Joe, I listened to his bigger pockets thing and I learned about master leases and things like that. And my first ever introduction to commercial real estate was a 260 unit portfolio and just a handful of buildings, husband and wife couple, early thirties were offloading it. And I pitched them seller finance at 0% down and they actually rebuttaled at 3% down. And I still think about it because this was in, I believe 2019-ish, maybe 2018. And then within a couple of years, COVID hit and that whole portfolio probably 5X in value. But it proved to me that it was possible that people were willing to do some sort of creative finance. So the first ever commercial real estate that I ever got into was actually a six unit building that I pitched to an owner. He's from Chicago. He owned that building in Milwaukee. It wasn't performing for him. I was local. He was tired. So we went ahead and got the deal done. Within a year, we had everything turned, refinanced. And that was my first introduction to commercial and creative. And then quickly wanted to learn more about creative. So I actually got into learning about subject two, did a 10 unit building on sub two, and then did a six unit building on sub two, made about 300,000 total between those two. And then did a 1031 exchange on a couple properties. And now we're here. So the current portfolio is 36 units, about $27,000 a month in revenue on the rent, close to 14,000, maybe a little bit more in cash flow. And that was as of 2021. And I decided that I was going to retire and I'm in my twenties and my buddy's like, dude, you don't want to retire yet. And I'm like, I don't know. We were traveling a lot and going on vacations. And I thought, Hey, this is it for me. I'm just going to have this one little portfolio. But we went to Alaska for a month and I came back and I was itching to get back in real estate. And my buddy's like, well, why don't you try flipping and wholesaling? And I've been in flipping slash wholesaling ever since. I started with door knocking pre-foreclosures because the first video I ever watched on flipping and wholesaling, they talked about how pre-foreclosures have a ton of equity and it's a really good place to start. So I went to PropStream and I downloaded the list pendants list. And next thing you know, every Sunday I'm going and knocking doors. And the first Sunday that I ever went out, I knocked only on 13 doors and closed two of them. So wholesale both of them. 
So realized, wow, this is really powerful. And from there, about a year later, so around 2022 timeframe, so not that long ago, decided to build a team, went to Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Tampa, and Milwaukee. So my buddy, Michael McIntosh out of Cincinnati, Tony Rogers out of Indianapolis, and Colin Jeske out of Tampa decided to basically do a copy and paste on what I was doing in Milwaukee with their markets as well. Saw some success. That was around June, July timeframe of 2022. January of 2023, I'm, let's scale it even more. I built the team to about 15 people and that was great. I actually had some cold callers and was doing some stuff in the Philippines and really trying to scale it up. And then I ended up going on Pace Morby's podcast in March and the floodgates opened and naively I thought more people meant more money and more people typically just means more headaches. But <laughs> I grew the team to about a hundred folks, all 1099 across the country. I was teaching them how to go and knock doors on pre foreclosures. But the problem was 90% of them didn't want to actually door knock. They wanted to do cold calling. So I created this cold calling company and very quickly my whole entire business unraveled and I've actually been in the process of building it back up. And as of right now, I feel very secure in what's going on. So we bought a bunch of houses all across the country, some performing, some non-performing. Before we got on the podcast today, I was on the phone with Alabama Power trying to get the electricity turned on in this property in Tuscaloosa that I bought two months ago because the disposition guy that I hired to do all that stuff wasn't doing his job. I know that's a long whirlwind of a story, but that's pretty much it. Real estate is amazing. It really is. It's the best thing in the world. It allowed me to practically retire at the age of 25, 26 years old, if I wanted to, I should say. But it's got its headaches. And I was really lucky because the first four to five years I was in real estate, Everything was going well for me. Every deal I bought was a really good deal. And every tenant I put in was a great tenant. It Josh, wasn't... that's an experience that a lot of people are going to resonate with. This kind of build up to COVID years, for sure. I know I felt very similarly about myself until I ran into my first ever headaches the last couple of years. Josh, I'm getting the feeling there are a couple of things that I want to cover in this interview. I'm hearing a theme or a pattern in your story thus far. I'm going to go ahead and summarize and then please tell me where I'm wrong so that we can set the record straight to add the most value to our listeners. And then I'll have a couple of questions for you. With the exception of your first property and maybe your now wife's first property, that it sounds like we're both bought on market with a traditional form of financing. Kudos on the VA loan, by the way. Very powerful for a lot of people. And it's a great thing that we do for veterans in the United States. A theme that I'm hearing through your story right now is that you've done a good job of getting direct to seller, to put yourself in a position to negotiate with a person who is experiencing distress that you could alleviate, either through seller financing or their financial distress and your ability to close quickly to help them avoid adverse financial events like a foreclosure. You've already referenced that 90% of the people who came to you were more interested in cold calling than door knocking. What advice do you have for people who are looking to get direct to seller in 2023 and lock in really good deals that you just can't find on market? It's a great question. 
I think that's probably a multi-million dollar question and I'm willing to answer it for sure for your guys' listeners. But I would say if you don't like sitting all day, pull a list of pre-foreclosure and go and knock on their doors because you only need one of those every couple of months to really sustain a pretty good income if you're not trying to make millions of dollars. And you'll get better with time. If you don't mind cold calling yourself, there's a couple different types of lists you can pull. We pull dozens. Pre-foreclosure, tired landlords, zombie properties, probate, pre-probate. There's multiple lists you can go and find, and you can find those on Batch Leads, or we use Batch Leads currently. We also use Audantic, so we're even pulling lists of people that just went to prison, and it gets really deep. There's all kinds of lists that you can pull. I would say just pull a couple different lists, hired landlords, pre-foreclosure, and go to batch dialer, get basic batch dialer and batch leads, pull them out, skip trace them at about 10 cents a lead, and then upload them into a batch dialer. It sounds complex. I'm telling you, it is probably the most easy thing that you can do after you learn how to figure it out. Just watch a YouTube video and see if you like it. And if you don't like it, but you think that there's potential, maybe find a cold calling company. Like for example, we were using phone beast. There's a few others that will provide callers from the Philippines or even Egypt and all over the world really at this point. And you pay six, seven bucks an hour and you can have them call for 10, 15 hours a week. And whenever they find these warm leads, you go in and you call up on them. It can get kind of advanced. You can have a CRM, you can get a Podio that automatically connects to your batch dialer and you, that way you can keep track of things on your CRM. But really, the nuts and bolts of it is go pull a list, call those people. You don't even need a dialer. Use your cell phone, call the list, get a feel for talking to the sellers, and that's how you can go off market. You don't need all the technology. The technology will help you scale your business. But if you're just trying to get started and get a feel for it, that's what I would recommend. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you thinking about investing in multifamily real estate? Need some insight on how it's done? On the Small X Podcast, multifamily investor Nico Salgado interviews the top multifamily investors in the nation to uncover the secrets and strategies behind their success. He also features newer multifamily investors chronicling their journeys for a full year so you can learn alongside other investors. Nico believes that it only takes a small axe to build an empire. So if you're ready to build your multifamily empire, check out the Small Axe Podcast with Nico Salgado on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. Josh, a lot of entrepreneurs in 
this space, experience some success, especially when they're still doing everything themselves. And then they look to scale. And it's a very common mistake that a lot of us, myself included, make to scale faster than they're ready to, whatever that means in each individual case. It sounds like you scaled your acquisitions or you scaled your deal finding getting into other markets very quickly, especially in the last few months. And that some things have gone well, but some things have gone poorly. Can you give us an idea of the things that have gone well? What are they and why? And the place where your business has unraveled, where is that and why? Absolutely. I would say where things have gone well is that scaling so quickly and having it unravel has taught me what I need to do to be successful because I had to go and learn. For example, I'm all salaried employees now. I'm not 1099. I got away from 1099. I want to be able to keep track of their hours. Number two, you don't need 100 people. You need five or six good ones that are in office. I've got a guy that handles all my back end, all my data, all my lead gen that I pay part-time. These are all things that I learned by scaling too quickly that I didn't have in place. I didn't even have a CRM. We made 136,000 phone calls without a CRM to catch any of that data. So we were using Batch Dialer. We had 1,800 leads out of that 136,000 that were just pushed to a call result in Batch Dialer, not a single CRM to catch anything. So scaling quickly, I would not recommend it in the sense of bringing people on. And it can be a problem too when it comes to buying commercial real estate as well. For example, we had a property that we just bought. We flipped it totally. Everything looks beautiful, brand new tile work in the bathroom, new tub, new kitchen, new everything. But it's in sort of a questionable area where if you don't get tenants in right away, well, our property management company kind of fumbled the bag and this was a year ago and they didn't get it completely rented in time a year later. And now we have squatters that we've been trying to get out for the last nine months. So we showed up yesterday with the squatters team, I'm talking nine, 10 people and got out 15 people living in a one bedroom house in Milwaukee. That's another thing of scaling too quickly because I self-managed the first 24 units and at about 24 units, we had somebody die in our apartment. We had an apartment completely burned down and I was on vacation for both of those events. And I'm like, I can't just keep doing this. I can't wake up at three o'clock at night because the toilet's leaking. Cause eventually those things start to happen more and more common as you have more and more units. So I went to go get property management and I went through three companies in the last three-ish years. And I still don't think that a single company is ever going to be anywhere near as good as how I can self-manage. Well, if I wouldn't have scaled so quickly, this self-management might not be an issue. Maybe I could handle 10, 12 units. These are all things to consider. The finances as well. So you have to keep track of finances, QuickBooks, this, that, and the next. It can all become overwhelming. Multiple bills. Every month we've got multiple bills coming in. We use a lot of sober living. Well, part of using sober living is we have to pay for the utilities for each unit associated. So now we have to pay the electric bill on 20 plus units of the 36 we have. So that's 20 plus bills just for electric that are coming in each month. All these things that you have to consider. It's a lot of work. Is it worth it? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But can it be a major headache at times? 100%. And I hope that answers your question. It does. 
It is almost time to transition to the final phase of this episode, Josh. Given the success you've experienced and the growth and the growing pains that you've experienced, this is kind of an odd question to ask, but I think it's very important. And it's a question that I make sure to ask any of my investor clients as their real estate agent or anyone I'm advising when it comes to any sort of real estate investing. You achieved financial freedom, you called it retirement in your mid-20s, and decided to get back involved. When you first decided to get back involved, and then as you scaled, and now, what were the goals that you were looking to accomplish with your activity in real estate? That's a fantastic question. I think real estate's addicting. Stay it up until 1, 2 in the morning on the MLS before I went off market, just trying to find deals, calculating deals. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. And to step away from that forever, I wasn't ready. And quite frankly, I've got multiple goals and they're ever changing. Some days I envision this future where I'm worth a billion dollars and I have 10,000 units. And other days I just say, you know what, maybe when I turn 40 or 35, I'll call it quits and I'll spend time with my family and retire. But ultimately, the reason why I'm successful in this industry is because I love it. And that's why I can't step away. So have there been particular tangible goals or deadlines that you've wanted to accomplish within certain timeframes? Absolutely. When I first decided to get into this, I had this single family, but when I really decided I want to go into it, I sat down with a notepad and paper and I was listening to bigger pockets like crazy. And I was learning about stacking, I believe is what they called it. This was in 2016, 17 timeframe where you have one property and the next year you have two properties and then you have four and then you have eight. I was obsessed with that idea. And I actually was able to obtain that for a while before I slowed down. That was one thing. And then as a part of that paper, I put on, I'm going to own a thousand units. That was my number one goal. I was obsessed with that goal for a long time. And then things shifted because when I went into wholesaling and flipping, it was no longer about holding real estate. It was about making money. And the reason why my goals changed is because as you know, with buy and hold real estate, there's a lot of headaches associated. And I stumbled upon the first ever deal that I got into it. It didn't materialize, but it was a foreclosure and it was a $136,000 opportunity. And I just remember being like, wow, like, could you imagine if I was able to accomplish that? And then I did. I've actually had, I think, three deals where I made over 100000 now. And none of those were buy and hold opportunities. So slowly, I've just transitioned based on probably the pain points. They say that people are either running towards pleasure or running away from pain. And in real estate, we're doing both constantly. That makes a lot of sense. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. What is the best ever book you recently read? That's a really good question. I've been so busy with this company. I haven't read a book in about nine months. But I would say the best ever book that I read, probably for the average person, would be The House Hacking Book by Brandon Turner. Just because I'm a firm believer that most people should house hack if they have an opportunity. And if that's all you ever did as a real estate investor, it would be worth it. What is your best ever way to give back? Really good example yesterday. I mean, my neighbors were out on both sides and I'm, do you guys want Chick-fil-A? I was going to Chick-fil-A. I bought them both a bunch of big bags full to feed their whole family and they couldn't believe it. But the best thing I've ever done, and to answer that question, it's financially. Time is a little bit harder, but financially is a little bit easier. My wife's from Mexico. So her family 
they live in Mexico and I actually paid for all of them to be able to come visit the United States for the first time. And that was fantastic because it was in the middle of the winter time. And as you can imagine, up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they were shocked. I believe it. Josh, specific to deals that you've done, properties that you have acquired, what's the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? If you're in the middle of a project with contractors, you have to be a part of that project. Be there every day because they will try to get over on you if you let them. Tell us more about that. What specifically happened? Yeah, I had 40000 taken from me. I had a contractor say that he completed a job and I paid him before I went and looked at the property and I had not been there in two months because I'm so busy and the property was in worse condition than the day I bought it. Yeah, that's rough. The lesson being, be sure to stay on top of your contractors. Exactly. And your properties in general. That makes sense. And Josh, what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice is to stay within yourself, but also push yourself. My self-talk changes on a monthly basis. Sometimes I think I'm the best thing since sliced bread and other times I think I'm not good enough. But the reality is I'm somewhere in between and I have to just keep pushing myself every day. Last question, where can people get in touch with you? My Instagram is Meyer underscore R-E-I. That's M-E-Y-E-R underscore R-E-I. Joshua Meyer, you'll see my name. That link is in the show notes. Josh, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thank you, Slocum. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.